This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. website absolutely amazing stuff my co-host today is the amazing and eerie i get to say eerie mark muncie yes yes uh just got back from a huge convention megacon and had a grand time but i am so excited about today's guests yes so our guest so well (laughs) (laughs) our guest today we've been booth buddies at cons come on man I have to get through the intros for the oh, yeah, sorry. Already it doesn't the show. work. It doesn't work. There's a whole show. We're not supposed to have been drinking oh, yet, yeah. but I have. Oh. Um, so our guest today is Robert Dixon. So, woo! Woo! Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking real quick so people can drink along yep. responsibly in their homes and not while driving. I have, I found this Angry Orchard and I absolutely love it. It's Angry Orchard Unfiltered. So it's not as sweet, so I can drink more of them because I get about three into Angry Orchard and then I'm like in sugar rush high and I can't drink more than that. Um, Mark, what are you drinking today? Uh, Since I am on my epilepsy meds and recovering from Megacon, uh, I have been drinking uh, out of my coffee thermos, coffee shop of horrors, caramel scream uh, with a little, I've been putting a little hint of lemon in it for my throat. So, uh, and that's that's good brew oh my gosh i made it a cold brew and i've never done that with one of the coffee shop of horrors but the caramel scream bam that's cold i swear i mean coffee shop of horrors is amazing but if they don't start at least sending me free coffee when you're on the show (laughs) i'm telling you i'm gonna have words with them because so many people are like i heard about coffee shop of horrors on your show i'm like well, Wouldn't let's, it be cool if they actually sponsored? Well, let's save them. They're uh, having some financial if difficulties thanks to uh, supply chain issues and stuff. So go to coffeeshoporders.com, order a bunch of stuff so that way they can sponsor us. Yes, please, please. They have the most amazing different flavored coffees and it comes in waves. So you want to get in there and you want to pay attention to them so you can get those coffees. Yeah. Okay, Robert, what are you, you're smoking your cigar, but what are you drinking? I am drinking Corona tonight. Um... My fridge died and my uh, red ale I was going to enjoy kind of got warm. So we're going to stand by here. And everybody's going around, Robert, this is so official. Everybody calls you Bob. They don't know what to do. <laughs> well, I could call you Bob. Would you like me to call you Bob? Okay. Probably for <laughs> that, I'm sure those were words, but through the cigar, they just were like vowels. I, call, I say, call me anything but late for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I spoke cigar. I understood that. So that was good. Yeah. And, and the cigar that I is a Codwell, in case anybody's interested in the cigars. Yeah. Ooh, very cool. Do you okay. smoke cigars? So, I used to. Not anymore. But Now, Mark is limited now in his yes. awesome ability to party like a rock star, although he does pull it off well. I, 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 I pretend. I pretend well. So, yes. Yes. Okay. So, Bob, not late for dinner. Can you tell the the listening audience what you write? Uh, well, mainly I'm just a hacker. Um, no, uh, my, my latest uh, thing I'm working on, I've been doing a uh, Don't Humor book. Uh, I did the first one back in 2016 as a joke. 
I really never expected more than like six people to buy the book. It's called Snafu Football. And the premise of it is adult humor. And it's definitely bathroom humor, not the, those easily offended. And um, I put the first book out and uh, it really did really well for us. And the premises are two drunk superheroes with absolutely no superpowers whatsoever. And the idea of going on patrol is sitting in the back porch, uh, drinking beer, smoking cigars, and just talking junk to each other all night. And we actually just released the uh, third book. I was going to release it in 2020, uh, 2020 and, uh, well, something happened, I forget. This weird yeah, thing. I, yeah, hmm. that, that's an understatement. Something happened. We all just woke up in 2021 and went, wow, so, uh, the, you know, so that was the thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so 2020 was just a rough year. Well, the last two years have been rough for a lot of people. I know a lot of people put books out. I, I personally did not feel it was the right thing to do because a lot of people were losing jobs. And I just didn't feel it was right to ask people for money when they needed to take care of necessities. Very I don't fault anybody who did that, but just not my not my thing, you know. So there are three books. So um, Snafu Fubar is the first one. What's the second one? Well, well, they're all snafu football. The first one's called Nothing Heroic. The second one's called Sobophobics. And the last one's called Morning Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like that because um, it actually, the name of the book actually had me uninvited to a book signing recently. Yes, I read about that. Oh, oh do tell. Do tell. Okay. Um, so I do a free comic book day like a lot of us do because this book's actually aimed at comic book fans. And I have a store in Knoxville. I'm not going to say that because me and the store owner have a really good relationship. And this is not a knock on him in any way, shape, or form. No. Okay. So I want, I want to make sure that's perfectly clear. Yep. And um, so I posted I was going to be releasing the book up there. And uh, some of his customers got offended by the name. They said it was just very offensive. And so he decided what was in his best interest store was not to have me up. Which, you know, that's it's his store and I respect his decision. Um, I, I guess the only thing I think was kind of funny is these same people are okay with the... Uh, pictures of like the half naked girls with nipples showing on, on the covers but they weren't okay with the name morning wood which makes me question if i changed the name if i changed snap through football to a female character and called it i'm thinking like i don't know wet wednesday or something they'd probably be okay with it. if if it's the bookstore that i think you're thinking about we're not going to name it on this show is to not call them out he had a problem with my book my home on whore island um uh, this is a comic book store, so it was not a bookstore. Okay, then no. A comic wait, what? What? Yes. What yes. The fuck? yes. Yes. A comic book store? Yep. Yes. Cave and to so, censorship. And, and like I said, um, I, I I I respect his decision. He has to do what's best for his store. I have no problem with that. Now, to be um, fair, free comic book day does bring in kids because of the free comics, so I can kind of see that. Maybe not tied to that, but. It's an awesome day. I mean, and a lot of comic shops, well, they were giving away adult comics and other stuff too. So I well, and that's the thing. It, it is what it is. But you know what my thing is, is I know I'm putting out adult product. I don't sell to anybody under 18. Uh if someone under 18 wants to buy it, I mom and dad has to come buy it from me. So I mean I take precautions for it. But you know, honestly, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh that's just that's just the way life goes sometimes. And uh you you deal with, you, you roll with the punches, you know. No, that's <laughs> I, I don't know i almost feel like that should be a t-shirt i got disinvited to a comic book store <laughs> well how well, the crap sticks does that happen yeah so um 
Well, that's not as funny. Uh, my banner, which I know Mark's seen my banner, has got a picture of Snafu on there. If anybody's not seen my banner, go to my Facebook page. It's on there. Um, and um, my banner has, you know, well, actually, it's the same as my tattoo. Uh, but uh, anyways, um, when I got my banner in, I'm like, uh, this isn't my banner. And so I unroll it. It's a banner for a church's Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and I'm like, so I called the sign company. I'm like, so they're like, I got the wrong banner. They're like, okay, well, we'll fix that for you. No problem. By church, by chance, did they get my banner? And the girl's <laughs> like, yeah, why? I go, well, can you pull my banner up? She pulls up. She goes, oh my, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure one more reason I'm probably going to hell. <laughs> you know? Just add it to the list, right? Just add it to the list. Check. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, here, here we are. So, what made you? I know you wrote it as a joke, and you kind of put it up there, and you thought, like, it's you know, I wouldn't say wrote it as a joke, but I know you didn't think people would take you seriously on writing this. But what made you decide to write it to begin with? Uh just being creative and having some fun uh i've got a couple of young adult books out and um you know like every author i mean you know mark's known for his eerie stuff and that's great and um by the way mark i need to pick up eerie florida and eerie appalachia sidetrack uh but anyways um you know um i think plug. every i think every author out there has stories they want to tell whether they want to publish or not beside the point i know for me creatively uh Snafu, I created over 30 years ago for a comic book, believe it or not. I just never did put anything, put them out anywhere. And I, like I said, I really, you know, I did it. It was fun. And the first uh, show I did, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe some people buy it, but it'll be fun just to have on the table. No big deal. And it became my best selling book. I mean, it outsells my other books, seven, eight to one. So, you know, here we are editing book four this summer. Wow. So, um, when you wrote it, you obviously didn't necessarily think of it as a series, correct? Oh God, I didn't think of the past book one. I figured people use it for bonfires. And... So when when that happened and you were like, oh crap, people actually like this, how was that process of going, now I have to come up with another one? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, now, now I got this. Well, you know, it really wasn't, I mean, because, you know, I've always... The market will dictate what sells. You don't get to tell the fans what they like and what they don't like. I mean, you can have one of the best novels in the world and it may not sell three copies because people may just not buy it. It doesn't change the fact that it's good writing or bad writing. Um, uh, Snafu is definitely a little um, niche that not a lot of people do. Uh, a few years back, I was in um, Daytona, I think it was, and uh, I ended up at a uh, book event and 90% of the authors were romance authors. And I'm like, okay, I'm just go this weekend's gonna be a wash, but I'm just gonna try and make some connections and be nice to people and all that. And I was selling book for book with the romance authors. Yeah. And I think out. it was the, I think it was the sexy guy on the cover because Snafu's pretty sexy sitting on that cake with Braun. That you know, I'm 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 sure I'm sure he caters to some. So yeah, check out the cover. I mean, you you guys might be just lured in by all that in a bag of chips. I gotta say, I picked it up uh, because Bob is probably one of the best salesmen I've ever met at a convention. So just throwing that out there, he knows how to sell books. 
So, and uh, he, he drew me in right off the bat, you know. Well, I think it's interesting you say that because, you know, when we talk about writing and, and everything like that, to your point, Bob, that you said about making, you can make the greatest novel ever written, but if you don't know how to get it into the hands of readers, it doesn't matter that you wrote the greatest novel ever written in the world. You, you have to know how to sell, well, especially at live events. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, if you, if you were a big publisher and they got a marketing firm and all you got to do is show up and sign books, God bless you. That's, that has to be a great experience. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Marco attested this, that, uh, you know, when, when you're an independent writer, author and you're doing a lot of this stuff yourself, um, you, you, you can't get behind the table and be shy. Uh, my favorite last event Mark and I did together, which was in March, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I did a panel and there's five of us on the panel. And the one guy had drawn Buffy in the comics, so I mean, he was well-seasoned, a panelist. The other three um, did not seem like they had a lot of experience talking to the crowd and they weren't sure what to say, And you know, sometimes. And, um, you know, you, you get them and talk to them like you all, like we're talking now, just talk to them like you're talking one-on-one. And thing is, you're not going to lose any sales at a panel. You're going to make sales. Because if they don't like you, they're not going to change their mind about you. They may change mind like you, but not going to not like you more at a panel. Um, you know, so I, I have fun at the panels. I have fun at the table. Um, if you buy a book, great. I mean, if you don't, you know, I don't know how Mark approaches shows like that or how you do when you do shows. I know for me, I go in with the idea and I'm going to have fun. At the yeah, end of the day, I'm going, I'm going to have fun. That's what I'm it's all about. Try, yeah, I'm going to try to make some connections. I'm going to try to sell some books. We'll see how it goes. But if you go in with the idea that you're always going to have fun, then that's half the battle there. Because you're going to be, if you do a three-day show, you're dead tired by Sunday. Usually about halfway through Saturday. Then you still need to be the same lovable. Are we are we censoring this or is it censoring? No, no, it's what you want to say. Oh, so it's a fucking adult podcast. Like. Okay, I, I try to be the same lovable asshole Friday that I am on Sunday. <laughs> so when did pulls you start? It off well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start writing? Uh, kindergarten. Very that's, cool. That's good. <laughs> I learned my alphabet. It took me a while. Okay, first grade. I, I'm not gonna lie. I never did get in kindergarten. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually started writing um, probably uh, my freshman year in college. I actually went to, this for all the people out there going, wow, he's a fat ass now. Um, I actually went to college on a track scholarship, and then I messed up my knees and ankle, and um, I started writing poetry. And uh, then um, I wanted to write comic books, and uh, so I, I sent off an idea to Marvel Comics, and they politely sent me a nice little letter that uh, we don't accept unsolicited ideas. So have a nice day. And I started my own comic book company. Um, I did that for a number of years, and we did pretty well. We we would uh, put out five thousand books a month. And then um, the comic market got the distributors got bought out by Marvel and DC, the main distributors, which screwed a lot of independents. And then um, I had young kids at the time, so I decided to be a father for a few years. And then uh, I woke up one day and decided I want to write a novel, and I figured it can't be that hard to do, and so I did. <laughs> Okay, I love that statement. For those listening out there going, I can't finish my book. And like, I, I woke up, I was like, I'm going to write a novel. I got a bagel. It was awesome. I wrote a novel. It was fine. Well, I don't believe, but bear in mind, I'm one of the people, I don't believe in writer's block. I think it's an excuse. 
if you may not write well at the time and that's fine because not everything you write is going to be gold. But just sit down and say, well, I can't write. Go to the mall, watch people and write what you see. It's, you know, everything you write is not going to be good. Some, that's why you have an editing process. I don't edit as I go. Well, my wife will tell you I don't edit at all. Um, but mainly she does my <laughs> editing uh, and she hates me. Um, that would be the leading cause of divorce among people who've been married 30 years is so I haven't edited my books. Uh, but um, I've actually taken the writing on my cell phone. Mm. And I've, oh, written, wow. I've written the past 10 or 12. Uh, I've also went to a novella format, which I, I like better uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I can tell a story quicker and more condensed and just kind of deal with what I want to and not have to add the fluff that goes into a novel because there is a lot of fluff in a novel. Um, but the other thing is, is I can put the book out a lot cheaper. I can sell it for cheaper and the profit margin is greater. No, that makes sense. I think, you know, I, I actually have, you know, been this last month I've been doing weekly classes on writing and one of the things I always say to people is I'm firmly convinced now writer's block is you put yourself into a corner and you need to go back to where the writing was going well and turn left or right because wherever you headed was the wrong direction you like hit a dead end and yeah. you're not going to get out of that dead end you need to go back and find where to start again or jump ahead and go to the next thing and keep writing and come back to it. If whatever you're writing is so valuable that you need it. But most of the time it's, you wrote yourself into a dead end and it's yeah, I, hard to go past it. Yeah, that, that's a very good description of it. I just recently finished the uh, historical fiction. I started in 2010 because the research was just so intense. On, and, I, and part of it was I was scared to get it wrong. You know, because I want the I want the story to be a sort of feel to it, and and that's the other thing. I think authors uh, get scared of getting it wrong, so they don't write anything. No, no, I agree. Or they just don't have the the diligence, meaning they're not writing every day. You got to write every day, even if it's for twenty minutes. You got to write every day because if you don't have that, um, what is it, habit? Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard. Not every author does that, but if you're really trying to write and you haven't written in blood, just write every fucking day. Just yep. sit down 20 minutes, write every single day. You know, I think I'll start doing that. <laughs> well, you might actually get some books published, Bob. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> here's, the funny, here's the funny thing uh, books waiting on editing right now, okay? I have a seven novella set that's complete. Uh, snafu book, a uh, an open. I've got at least 10 books right now waiting on editing, which my wife's going to get to this summer. Not all of them, of course. But one of them is a, um, my first mystery book. It's adult humor fantasy mystery uh, called Killing the Holiday Spirits. Ooh. And the, uh, th and the theory is somebody's going around killing the mythicals that represent the uh, different holidays. I like it. I like it. So what, what was the first book, not comic book, but actual novel you ever published? Uh, Mountain Company, The Dream Psychic, which was actually based off one of my comic books. And that was about a uh, teenager with schizophrenia and psychic abilities. So his imaginary friends were real. Oh, wow. Now his best friend's a shadow and a sock puppet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh. And I enjoyed the young adult market. Um, 
like I said, um, and like I said, I, I really enjoy writing the young adult stuff. It's just like I said, when you're looking at sales numbers, you got to go what's selling. It, it doesn't matter what, you know, at the end of the day, as much as everybody will tell you, oh, I'm doing this because I love it. You better be making some money at it because otherwise you won't be doing it long. Yeah. True. Very true. I, agree. I mean, unless you, unless you just have, you know, a wealth of income, a dispensable income that you can go to shows and not worry about making the money back. And, oh, I, I lost $600 this weekend. Who cares? Like Megacon. It, it, Megacon table ran, what, 400 mark, I think? Somewhere there. That, yeah. And let's say $400. Hotel, that, let's say let's say you got a cheap hotel for 100 bucks a night. So you're looking, at, yeah, you're looking at $700 without food and travel to do Megacon. If you drive over there with a day's gas price, you're looking at about fourteen hundred. Um, but uh, no, but I mean, so you're looking at seven hundred dollars doing an event out of town, unless you got friends you can stay with or whatever, and that's a lot of books to sell. Yep. And you might you might take a loss on a show like that, and that's okay. But you can't afford to just do those kind of shows and take losses because you know it's great because you may get the one book in the hands of the one person who could change your life. Probably not though. No, it's true. It's true. I, it's funny enough, me and Mark were just discussing that. I mean, it's honestly authors who are doing conventions and shows, you should do a little spreadsheet and figure out what your profit margin is, how many books you need to sell. And is that real to you to sell that many books? Some people can go there and sell 200 books. No problem. They can do it. They do it easily. Mark, um, yeah. whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, th there's a certain amount that can do that. But if you're, if you're on average, a hundred books, know how much your profit is from selling a hundred books, you know, because otherwise you, you, you know, you have to have a goal and it can't be an unreal goal. No. And that's exactly, you know, I was just at, like we just said, Megacon and it was one of those huge conventions, 150,000 people are coming to that con on a Saturday. And so, all right, think about that logistics. There's 150,000 people coming into your con. So, oh, wow, I'm going to sell 100,000 copies of my book. No, maybe most of them are coming to see the big name, Nathan Fillion, Brendan Fraser, you know, the Hobbits, you know, whatever. So maybe 40,000 might actually buy stuff in the vending place. And then of that, how many of that are actually going to get into Artist Alley and into your table? And how many of those are actually people who might even be remotely interested in your product. And then of those, how many of them actually have the money to buy your product after they paid for parking, paid for their own hotel, paid for their ticket to get in and paid for that Nathan Fillion autograph or their picture with the undertaker. And, and so, you know, you look at that and you look at that and then you're like, okay, realistically I can get this much. And that's, that's what you really got to budget down to. So, and I honestly, I didn't start doing really well at Megacon until the third book hit, you know, so. Well, I think also the more, I was say, I think also the more books you have in a series out, I think it tells people, okay, this series is doing pretty well yep. and it's going to be around for a while. Yeah. So I think that helps. We'll find I out. Think it, any marketing, we were, uh, so another irony. Um, I was just talking about this bookie call does phenomenal um, press for books. It does. You have to pay to get on their thing, but they do phenomenal press but what was really interesting is they the books that have more than five books in the series or from the author in the same kind of genre absolutely do amazing right and you can see this on amazon and barnes and noble and all this other stuff you can see it the books that only have one or two not that there isn't an increase in sales but you don't see that maintaining 
Like you, you, you might see a spike, but it doesn't then level itself out. And I think because of how publishing companies and or authors have gone about um, doing series, meaning publishing companies unheard of are just dropping um, people mid-series. Yeah. Like Melinda Snodgrass talks about this where she had a, I think it's her Bard series. I might be saying that wrong. Melinda, I love Sorry. you. But they did two of three. They had her third book, but they just decided not to publish it. And it took her like seven or eight years to get this this these books back from them. And so, of course, her fans are like, what the crap? Where is the book? And they don't realize the publishing company just pulled the plug on it. And so you get a little jaded. I know a lot of people who read now that go, I don't want to read unless it's a complete series. Yeah. Well, I know book four snafu is going to be book four in the trilogy. <laughs> I like that you have book four in the trilogy. Are you planning on a book five in the trilogy? Uh, believe it or not, that would be what I'm right. I mean, I want Snafu to kind of be an ongoing series. I really don't have any number in mind. I mean, the, the problem I have with Snafu is it kind of writes itself because I listen to news, I see people talk, and it's like, oh, yeah, I could totally add live on this. <laughs> so Snafu has unlimited ideas as far as just because people do stuff that you just kind of shake your head at. And so it, it, it's fun to add live with that. Um, you know, I, I do have plans right now to maybe work on Snafu 5 over the summer-ish because uh, I'm trying to decide. I'm at, this is the first time in my life I actually, and I say life is almost a long time because I always had the uh, historical fiction calendar back burner that I actually don't have a uh, book started, which is kind of odd for me. But I, I have a week left of school. I'm not in school. I'm a teacher. And uh, so I'm actually going to um, work on that this summer. That's very, very cool. Okay, we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Drinking With Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Okay, we're back. We're back. Okay, so I, don't, I have no fucking idea most of the time. I'm just here. Oh, this is actually front. my front. We're uh, front. We're front. So what is it like interacting with fans on? You're obviously a very social creature. Not all authors are social creatures when interacting with other humans, right? Um, what is it like for you interacting with fans on Snafu versus your other books? 
most of the time it's pretty good. Uh, they can't, on the back of the book, it, it's also if you get offended easy, put this book down and run because it's not a book for you. And most of the time they kind of laugh and that tells me if they're going to be into the book or not. I've had like one of the funniest ones in Daytona again. I had a, a father come over me. He said, oh, this is great. It's going to be left. Johnny will love this. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to get sale, you know. And, and he calls his wife. He goes, you think this will be on his reading list? I'm like, uh, how old is Johnny? Seven. I'm like, no, 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 no. Johnny would not love it. Um, um, and, and like book uh, three has, uh, if you give, it has the offended thing. And it says, basically, this book's the same shit, different book. Um, but uh, <laughs> so it, it has that kind of humor. So basically, people can kind of tell off that basically. About they get when they walk and look at the covers because the covers are uh, uh, you've seen the covers online, I'm sure. Uh, they're they're kind of out there in front, they're, they're in front of you. So, we've had really good response. Um, every now and then, you, you get people you can tell they're kind of oh god, you know, what kind of garbage you're putting out, you know. And like I said, you know, I, I don't uh stress about that. I mean, as long as they're polite, uh, if they're rude, I just say, look, if it's not for you, don't 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 waste my time yours, you know, because I'm cool, you're not buying, I'm cool, you. That's not what you buy. I get that. I don't read romance just because that's not what I read. It doesn't mean I don't respect romance authors, but God knows they're making money hand over fist. No, that's right. true. What about you know? online? What about reviews and stuff? Because I know sometimes when you have books that have a certain degree of humor and stuff like that, like a different kind of content, you can end up with very different reviews. Uh, most of the snafu reviews have actually been five star. Good. Yeah. So I, I think it helps when people know what they're getting ahead of time. And that's why I put in the description about the offended easy. I, I don't hide the fact that this is, a, 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 you know, adult humor and it's, it's going to go. I give my wife's my co author on the book. Okay. I give Lynn a lot of credit because what she does is after I write all this uh, stuff, and that's why I call myself a hacker. She goes through and falls wall and puts things. You know this thing called punctuation. I never heard of it before I met her. And uh, <laughs> she, she puts this punctuation and stuff in there. And then uh, she goes through and cleans it up and uh, asks me about 9,000 times, what did you mean to say here? Because this is not saying anything logical at all. And she rewrites it and all that. And uh, But there's a line you go to where it's funny. If you go any farther, it becomes very offensive. And although we do we deal with offensive humor, there's still a line you cannot cross without being in bad taste. And and the best example, do you remember lot the movie Liar Liar? Yeah. Okay. On the advertisement for Liar Liar, he's in the scene where he's in the elevator. He he doesn't know he can't lie yet. The girl goes, "Everybody in the apartment's been real nice to me." He goes, "That's because you have big boobs," and she slaps the hell out of it. But in the movie, and that was funny, but in the movie, he goes on like four or five other things. It kind of becomes, oh, God, just quit. It wasn't as funny. And so right, when you write, and somebody asked me one time, when am I going to write my serious stuff? I'm like, well, one went sales is good as my humor stuff. But writing humor is very hard to do. It's yeah. not just, you know, easy to do. And to make, you know, if you're a stand-up comedian, you got to have a, a, some timing and all that. But when you're writing humor like this, I mean, it's basically you're looking for punchlines every two or three paragraphs, if not more. And that's hard to do. And a lot of people don't understand that when they look at humor books as far as the, the seriousness of the writing game, you know. I picked up one of your books at a con and um, I remember just on the way home, I started giggling out loud in the car and, and I had to read it 
to you know everyone in the car because like what are you reading what are you reading i'm like oh this is this is bob's book it's hysterical and, and, I, and then i had to give them context and next thing you know i'm reading like a whole chapter of it you know for them and they were just they were enthralled and everybody's just dying in laughter and that's what i was like all right this guy this guy's got it he knows how to do humor well so well you know i look at myself every morning in the mirror and it doesn't get much funnier than this so i think you know here we go <laughs> see right there well i i think you you hit the nail on the head about something too because i feel this way like i stopped watching the oscars i don't even know how many fucking years ago because I realized having done acting and done stage acting where you get that immediate response, like you do film acting or commercials or whatever fucking stuff, you don't, you don't know until you're sitting at a screening whether it landed, right? Like, you know, generally if it's a good crew, especially sometimes you can get them to snicker, but they're generally being serious and, you know, doing lighting or holding fucking microphones. But um, you don't realize how hard comedy is, whether it's writing it or presenting it like you can absolutely fail at landing a joke or to your point, like, you know, there's some great Saturday Night Live to me, but some of it does exactly what you said, where it's like you're just you've gone too far past where this is funny. Yeah. Right. It's not funny anymore. It's just offensive or dumb. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And like I said, Lynn, Lynn's really good. I'll give her all props to that as far as making Snafu a more acceptable book to the masses. Because uh, I remember when she was going through the first one, she had, she had not read anything by it, so I was doing it. And um, she uh, just it, and she goes, this is really good. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. She goes, no, I'm, I'm serious. And so I was like, okay, we might have something here because the fact that she doesn't, she has a very keen sense of humor. She has a great sense of humor, but not as out there as mine. Because I have this really bizarre, as, as she always tells me, I'll say something, she goes, you know, I love you, but you're a strange guy, <laughs> you know, and I well, made a spit, yes, my mission accomplished, you know, and you got time that right when you see somebody about to take a drink, you know, you got, you yeah. got thank you, Bob, thank and you for that, we'll we'll play. Play. we wonder if she was a spitter or not, now we know, <laughs> you gotta watch the YouTube version, no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss that, but oh my gosh! So Bob, you you did a comic book background before this. Yes. yes. Uh, what is, what do you feel the differences are between writing for comics versus writing for the novels? Uh, a one night commitment opposed to a six month commitment. Uh, but uh, I remember I could write comic books, and you know I could just sit down and pull all night and write a couple of comic books, and you know it'd be fine. But uh, uh, Snafu usually takes me about three months. So I think that's one thing. I think also the crowd in the con I, I one reason i want to put snap facts i want to get more into the kind of crowd and that mentality i think they're more accepting of independence um than they are independent authors uh i, I love comic book the comic book crowd is general and plus i got some bookstores i do i love those too don't get me wrong uh but um the comic book crowd is just a different crowd it's more welcoming uh they're more willing to try something they've never heard of before um they they will follow you and they will promote you um you know, when I when I was doing comic books, I mean, we did every comic show. We did Heroes Con, we did Motocon, we did Dragon Con, we did, you know, if it was, I mean, I got to be good friends uh, as far as, you know, circuit friends, you know, with uh, Marty Nodell, who was the creator of the original Green Lantern. And he was just a sweetheart. He was just as nice as he could be him and his wife. And, and they were just as nice 
much as they could be. And it's kind of, and the thing is, and that's one aspect, you know, you, you kind of got the people you hit on shows like me, Amanda, and a few others that, you know, you kind of get to know along the way. And, you know, everybody just kind of promotes each other and kind of helps each other get shows and all that. Cause I mean, it, you know, that's what I, I get kick out of people who think it's competition because, you know, me, me and you, for example, are not competition. First of all, we don't really sell the same genre. But secondly, yeah. you know, if they got the money to go buy both books or they could be interested in one or the other, or they're not going to carry either way, you know? And so that's why I always tell people, I said, hey, if you got any stuff out, post it. Let me know. You know, I'll be happy to share it. I mean, I put, you know, because I'm not losing sales by promoting other writers. I got a lot of friends who are writers, they're good writers. And, you know, hopefully if they get a break, they'll help me out, you know? And if I get a break, I'm going to help them out, you know? 100%. And that's the same with any social media and all that it's like you know just share each other's stuff it's it's it what does it cost you cost you a click yeah yeah <laughs> stuff like that so but there's some people there's some people i remember i did a show up at evansville and they this show for a couple of years is great show I, I wish i still did it but anyways um we had a bunch of authors who had kind of similar mindset as me and we were all kind of if somebody's out table they we didn't we kind of direct them to the other tables and uh this one guy was like trying to call people away from our tables while we were talking to them and I'm like, hey, I don't know how long you've been doing this. I said, but that's really kind of bad protocol. You really don't do that. He's like, well, I'm trying to make sales. And his thing was, he told me, he goes, I want you to buy my book. And I'm like, well, the advice I'm going to give you at being in the business for almost 30 years is that's not the sales pitch you use. You, hey, would you like to read the book? Because the only way they can read it is buy it. I'll steal it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> but when you say buy, it puts a pressure on people. When you say, I want you to read my book, they kind of think take a different approach on it. But that's, no. you know, going back to dealing with fans. Yeah, no, I think that it's interesting that you say that because um, I think we all need to help each other because also you don't have an, enough content. Like even if somebody went through and hit buy on every single book you have, right? Mm -hmm. That reader will run out of content before you can keep up writing to them. Generally, generally they will run out of content. And if you don't create sort of a network of other authors to have them into the fold of the group, then you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself as well. You know, I was talking to an author the other day on this podcast and they said their next book was coming out like three years after your first one. And during the break, I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? You're gonna wait three years. <laughs> To put another book out like you're going to lose every single reader you have if you wait three years you're not george R. R. martin i don't know what the hell you think you're doing like, because people will forget in three years people will forget yep. yeah. well the mentality is it, it, i, I kind of link it back to like the harry potter books uh because those were about two or three years apart but the thing is though is you had a book that's selling millions of copies and everybody was anticipating, which means you could build the readership more and more as you went. And let's face it, I mean, like I said, Snafu 3 will have been out in 2020, but COVID hit. I couldn't do shows, and I could have sold online. Apparently, a lot of people did sell online, did really well. I just made a decision based on my beliefs that I shouldn't be asking people for money. And it's, it's, like I say, anybody who did that, I applaud you. You did good. God bless you. I'm happy for you. We, but, we skipped a year because we, you know, my books involve a lot of traveling and research and interviewing and stuff like that. So I had to skip a year too. And that's, and I, I thought that was going to kill us. And I think if we'd skipped another year, we'd have been dead. So yeah. yeah well, and that's something like uh, when, I, when I put a thing on Facebook about what happened with my signing in Knoxville, I had 
X amount of orders that would have been the equivalent of what I would have made at the show. Oh, yeah. And I was very thankful that people come out and supported that. You know, I had to make a few trips to the post office, but I was okay with that. <laughs> uh, you talk about buying so many books. I got uh, one, of my, one of my fans and Facebook friends that I got to be friends with the last few years. She has four bookcases full of, I think they're all independent writers. Because she, and she literally buys, and she came to uh, the con we was at a few months ago. And she texts me after she goes, I forgot to get books. I, I need to get one copy of everything. I was like, hey, you know. I think that's fantastic. I mean, you never know who you're going to find as somebody that you love as an author. It's easy to stick with certain people or think that the, you know, big names are going to market. But I don't think most people realize that most publishing companies only market this top kind of 1% of their authors, you know. Yeah. And they have all of these authors that are kind of left alone to market themselves out there. Yep. And if there's independence, there's book shows. It's also kind of neat because I think one of the things I think is cool is when you get to go meet the author and make him sign books. Like, I, I love that. I have Snafu, Bob. I don't know if you remember. I but I used to work dead, with Marty and now, and I, I had an open mic night with you. And I bought the first snafu, and that was back when it first came out a million years yeah. ago. I have yeah. it. Yeah, well, I remember the open mic night because so, that was downtown with uh, Tiffany's group. And uh, that was uh, when uh, I said, Does anybody get offended? He's in, no and nobody raised a hand. I started reading, and the lady got up and walked out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm like, that's I'm sure exactly going to order when it was. Online. Yeah. No, so, and I, 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 I think that's, you know, it's. <laughs> I've had people get up and walk out of my readings too, mainly because they just can't handle the gore. I had a, a guy a couple of days ago who I, I work with um, in my day job right now, which luckily is going to not be my day job. But um, uh, anyway, he um, he came up to me and he bought one of my short story collections and he goes, you start the book with the suicide? And I was like, it's called illusions of happiness what did you think the book was going to be about like it's got a girl with an axe on the cover like what did you think was going to happen and he's like well played well played and he's like after that he's like i read the story i had to go read it again and then i he was like and then i was hooked but you know if they get offended they're not your reader and they're they're not, you know, your it's not for them, you know. Yeah. Then they can go read a cozy mystery. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Or a romance. Think, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think Mark. I think we all, you and our team, ought to do a romance together. We not, could do that. Me you, not me and you, but we should write one. Oh yeah, I know. Okay. We'll have to talk. To I was writer. about to say, is there love in the air? No. <laughs> we can call it. We can call the book. We can call. We can kind of name it after ourselves. We can call it Skidmark. There we go. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Jeff Strand, I'm sure you both know Jeff Strand, but he, and anyway, he'll be down here later this year, but he wrote a romance novel. I don't know if you guys know that. It's called Kumquat. Nice. The, the funny thing, though, wood. is he put it out under his, his horror name, which he writes humorous horror, right? And so his readers, it gets released by it, thinking, like, it's another Jeff Strand novel, and we're yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Yep. Yep. 
I think that's what a lot of people miss out on. You know, like you have actors play roles for serious or comedy or love interest or romantic comedies or hall or whatever, and nobody blinks an eye. But if a writer steps out one genre, they go, oh my God. It's like, no, you know, you can write different things. I mean, the, the seven novellas I was saying about is actually a very serious thing. There's a lot of social issues. It has, it has humor in it, but it's more life humor opposed to just outlandish humor. And, you know, like I said, you know, people write what they enjoy writing, and that's one of the advantages of being an independent author opposed to working for a publishing house. You know, um, I mean, J.K. Rowling is a good example. I mean, she wrote Harry Potter, everybody loved it, and then she wrote under a pen name, and the book barely sold. Yeah. And then, then it got leaked out, and she was furious, and then the book sold went through the roof. But, uh, you know, uh, you know yeah. it's, it's a finicky crowd. Yeah, it's a finicky, <laughs> it's a finicky crowd. And, you know, like, you know, Mark's known for the eerie stuff, but I'm sure there's other stuff that in his creative mind that, you know, if he dove into, he could market in the right way. Well, that's- No, I think you can. I, I think there are certain, there are certain genres, like if you're writing, um, you know, young adult books, you can't go so far into like, uh, you know, rapey horror story without having people who are, you know, because you allow your kids to go, okay, I'm going to read J.K. Rowling, right? And then, you know, when, if she went into something like that or erotica or something like that, I could totally, I totally get it when it's completely divergent yeah. from the fan base that can exist. Well, I also, you know, Stephen King did the same thing with the, you know, like the kind of Westerns and, yeah. you know, well, and it's uh, you look at now some of the romance authors who write mysteries, you know, it's like, you know, Nora Roberts is J.D. Robb, but it says Nora Roberts writing as J.D. Robb because they they know the fans will do it, but that's how they get away with it. So, well, and I think there's certain genres you can like I'm in the middle of Jonathan Mayberry's high fantasy series that he's decided to release yes, called Kagan, out of the Blue. Yeah. Kagan the Dam fucking amazing book i actually really love jonathan mayberry's writing but um fucking amazing high fantasy book but um charles gannon did that too he went sci-fi 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 high fantasy like i think you can do that i just think they're you know humorous horror books and then cutesy romance his fans were a little like the writing's good but what the fuck is happening that's literally the response he got because they all assumed it was a horror book. And he was like, hindsight, maybe. And I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe. So the next Snafu Fubar is, uh, he goes to Washington and it's a political thriller. Um, actually, I was thinking maybe he starts investigating paranormal activity. Uh, <gasps> uh, I'm going to call it Eerie Snafu. There you go. There you yeah. go. I'm, I'm all behind <laughs> that. I give you full Did permission. You can you imagine you. Snafu investigating anything? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the in uh, investigation? <laughs> well, well, in book four, uh, not to do much about it because it's not even out yet, uh, I actually have a visiting superhero from New York named Clark who uh, sits down with him and he learns a new way of uh, patrolling the city. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. It is shameless self-promotion time, Bob. What is your next books coming out? What 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 what, what and when? Um, well, like I said we just released Snafu uh, Thorey Morningwood. Um, 
So this summer we're going to work on Snafu Foreign, the Killing the Holiday Spirits. Hopefully have those out in the fall. Uh, there will not be a three-year delay in those. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the other thing is um, my, my one seven novella set. Um, it's either seven novella or three novels, depending on how I put them together. Um, I'm actually going to pitch that to a uh, traditional publisher because um, it might be the uh, best thing I've ever read in my life. Very nice. Very cool. Very, very yeah. cool. The, the premise of that is a uh, priest at the gates of hell taking final confessions. Oh, that it. sounds amazing. Okay, how do people find you on social media and stuff? And if they want your books, how do they find you? Uh, I, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter should be all on the author Bob Dixon. Uh, I'm also on the Vero by the same name. I got to give a shout out to Vero. It's a new social media, but my buddy runs it. So I got to kind of give him a promote and help get some people to Vero. Um, I'm on Snapchat, but I'm not really sure why. <laughs> Now you got to be a TikToker. Mark's now you got to be a TikToker. Snapchat's out. TikTok's yeah. in. Yeah. Well, Mark, Mark sends me some good pictures, though. It doesn't uh, well, surprise you know, me. You know, if you friend request Mark Muncy on social media, you can get some really interesting shit you're coming your way. All right. <laughs> you get a lot of weird followers. That's true. You get, And they all have tinfoil hats, and they all have pictures of Loch Ness Monster I want to show you, and I always refuse those. So. Sometimes. <laughs> Bob, it has been thoroughly awesome having you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. I uh, love being on here. It's fun. Very cool. Okay, so guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been... Mark Muncy from EerieFlorida.com and EerieTravels.com. And you you have a new book out. Yes, Erie Appalachia comes out June 20th from History Press, available at fine bookstores and Cracker Barrels everywhere. And Cracker Barrels has been the incredibly humorous and amazing Bob Dixon and our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits DWA 10 and Dixon Farm Code and we will see you guys next time